Find yourself between a rock and a hard place today? Not sure what to do when you don't know what to do? We might have an answer for you next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Whether it's troubles at work or troubles at home, you find yourself with your back against the wall. What do you do when you don't know what to do? We're going to turn to the Old Testament today and find a few answers as we find again that our God is always strong on our behalf. An encouraging message is straight ahead out of Second Chronicles. Won't you join us? Truth for Today is up next with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. As we begin, we do so with a bit of New Testament foundation for today's program. Here once again, our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. Before we look today at this marvelous narrative uh, in the Old Testament and look at four uh, truths that just jump off the page, very straightforward, this narrative, the peril that God's people face, the prayer of God's leader, and the way God answered the prayer, and then the praise of the people. It just breaks out beautifully. But I think we need a reminder. Uh, how many of you people run to Chronicles when you want to be encouraged? Uh, how many of you people ever read the Old Testament? Good, good. We're a people of both Testaments, aren't we? We, we believe both of them. Now, look, if you will, I just want to show you two things uh, before we look in the study. 2 Timothy 3. And I think we need to remind ourselves as we look at this narrative that God has something to say to us. Verse 16, classic verse on the Bible, and it says, All Scripture is boring. It is what? And it's really outspired. It's not God inhaling. Scripture was outhaling. He literally, God in the Greek, it's God breathe. So whether you know it or not, that book is alive. God breathed it out. He got human beings to write, but he was the wind and the force driving it. And he said, it's profitable for teaching for reproof, that is to show us where we're wrong, uh, and he's doing the x-ray of our heart and our attitude, and it doesn't leave us there. It corrects us. It tells us how to get well for training in righteousness. Uh, if you're not a Bible Christian, you'll never be able to pass on much. Uh, you'll always be telling your same testimony over and over, and we'll get tired of it after a while, and there'll be no freshness. You've got to have the Word of God working in you. It trains you in righteousness, righteous ways to live, so that the man of God, child of God, may be adequate or competent, equipped for every good work. Then look at uh, Romans, if you would. Romans 15. Romans always enriches any sermon. Verse 15, 1. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength, and not just please ourselves. That's interesting, isn't it? Weak people can drive you batty. He says they ought to drive you to ministry. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good. Does that sound like the American ethic? No, I'm living for me. Here he says we're living for our neighbor. To his edification. 
For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. I came to serve by bearing the antagonism of God's enemies. I came to bear it. For whatever was written in earlier times, they didn't have the New Testament when Romans was written. The Old Testament was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And so as we see this narrative, we can see all kinds of encouragement and hope given to us. What's the scene? Jehoshaphat, uh, the son of Asa, comes to the throne, was a marvelous king. His biggest mistake is he went out and he helped Ahab when Ahab was over the nation of Israel, the ten northern tribes, and he went to help Ahab and nearly got killed because Ahab said, dress like me for the battle. And uh, just in time, he threw off the garment and they realized it was Jehoshaphat and they went after uh, Ahab and killed him that day. And so the prophet rebukes him later for why did you make an alliance with a wicked man? You were wrong. This happens repeatedly in the Kings and Chronicles. But he was a good man overall, sought the Lord, got rid of the high places. And so we come now here, and some ancient enemies, some kinfolks rise up against them. Uh, the Edomites happen to be the descendants of Esau. When you read Mount Seir, the, whole, the book of Obadiah was written against Edom because Edom had uh, uh, cliffs. Uh, some believe that Petra, modern-day Petra, is where the Edomites had settled, and they bragged about their fortifications. And Obadiah says, I'll cast you down, Esau. And even in the day of the Lord, according to Isaiah, God the Son, when he comes back, will visit Bozrah, the land of the Edomites, and he'll march through there and clean up that nation during the day of Armageddon. And he, when Isaiah sees him coming, he sees his garments sprinkled with blood, and he's been killing the nation of Edom. When the day of the Lord happens, you can read that, I believe that's Isaiah 63. Bozrah is also Edom. And you also have Ammonites and Moabites. Who are they? They are the two incestuous sons that were born to Lot. After Lot had got out of the city of Sodom, his two daughters got him drunk. And one night, he sleeps with one girl, and Amon is born. And then he sleeps with another girl. The next night, they get him drunk, and they have Moab. So these are kinfolk nations that have gone away. Lot, the nephew of Abraham. These are his descendants. And then Esau, who hates Jacob, and rightfully so on a human level. You robbed me. You, you stole the blessing from me, and I'll never forgive you for it. So the, but Israel didn't go looking for this. They're minding their own business. They're behaving. And all of a sudden, they're within the city limits nearly. They're at the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea, just south of Jerusalem, is not very far. You probably, eh, no more than 10 miles, you're at the Dead Sea. They're down by En Gedi, uh, where all the caves are, where David hid out to hide from Saul. And they come, and he hears, a great multitude is against us. Verse 3, Jehoshaphat turns his attention to seek the Lord, and he says, I'm afraid. And so Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. 
Is it leadership to tell the people you're scared to death? You sure wouldn't want a general who said, I'm scared to death. He can never show weakness. He has to show courage. I always remember the line of Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who lived in the gulag of Russia, and he said, only one need to study history to see that the loss of courage has always signaled the end. When we lose our courage, that's why Satan roars at God's people, and there are times we're overwhelmed, and our courage evaporates, and we are afraid, and here's Jehoshaphat. I'm afraid. I'm outnumbered. We're hated. We don't, have the, we don't have a chance in a million to survive this attack. So he calls a prayer meeting. And it wasn't hard to get them out. You know, if ISIS declared war on Contra Costa County, I wonder if you folks could make a prayer meeting. If the threat gets big enough, us lazy Americans might make a prayer meeting. When your life is in jeopardy, but see, we're a soft church. It's why Obama doesn't want us to go to war, because we like it. We're having enough problems in Afghanistan. But what will we do to stop this insanity? Who knows? But Jehoshaphat says, I'm afraid the peril is around us. I see it. I admit it. I think it's great leadership, and it's a great personal development for you to admit your fears. People don't like that. They want you to act strong for them. Here's the leader. Here's the king. I'm afraid, people. Would you come together to pray? Well, you're supposed to know you're God's man. I'm God's man who is afraid. Let's have a prayer meeting. The people come together. It's life or death prayer meeting. Now I want you to consider how he prayed his prayer. Notice what he does. It's just magnificent. First of all, he says, I know who you are. Watch this. He stands at the temple, Solomon's temple, and he prays, O Lord, O Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God of Israel, the God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? Number one, we didn't get here by ourselves. A former generation knew you, starting with Abraham, down through the kings. My father Asa knew you. David knew you. Solomon knew you. I'm standing on the shoulders of my fathers who knew you and told me about you. And then you're the God who occupies all the heavens. That's not too bad. We haven't got them measured yet. And he said, I know your throne is up there, and that you inhabit all that unto infinity. The most important thing about you, A.W. Tozer said, is what you say when you say God. What do you think of? That is the most important thing about a man or a woman is what they think of when you say God. With this come in mind, I know you are the great God of history and of the ages. You're the great God that inhabits the heavens. Then he goes on. Aren't you the ruler over all the kingdoms of the nation? Wait, wait. That can't include Russia. Putin is up there. He's in charge of Russia. 
No, 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 no. Not the God of Jehoshaphat. This God is in charge of every king. Every king. You remember when Isaiah went into the temple? He said, I see an unoccupied throne and I see an occupied one. The unoccupied one is Uzziah after 52 years has died. And then God says, Isaiah, let me show you the throne that's never unoccupied. Look a little higher. God was up on the throne. The nations are going to come. They're going to go. Putin's going to come. He's going to go. Hitler's going to come. He's going to go. All the Antichrists are going to come and go. This God is never replaced. He's on the throne. He's on the throne. This is no God that takes vitamins every day. He's got more power than he's trying to find somebody that will tap it. He said, power and might are in your hand. How can this be? You're afraid, but you're saying you belong to a God that's got all the power. He said, that's right. I'm afraid about my ability. I just don't have it. But I've got a God that's got all the ability, all the power, uh, so that no one can stand against you. You know, I used to read that Romans 8, if God is for you, who could be against you? And I used to say, everybody. Just because God's for you doesn't mean folks aren't against you. But what does the verse mean? Who can prevail against you? I got a lot of folks. I got demons against me. The world's against me. This is against me. The bill collector's against me. Maybe a a weird uh, kind of cell in my body. Oh, sickness, health, problems. Uh, You say, who could be against me? He said, well, God, you you better read my mail. There's a lot against me. He said, it can't prevail. I'm the, oh, see, you folks that don't have a sovereign God are in bad way. Your God is made out of your mind. Our God is in charge of cancer. He's in charge of death. He's in charge of life. He's in charge of nations. He's in charge of everything. This God. He's sovereign. I can't always figure out what he's up to. But what's new? I got to go to a guy to pay to get my taxes. I can't figure out the government. How you doing? There's a lot I can't figure out. I still haven't figured out why God would want to save me. I read all the verses about how bad I am, and I hear him say, by the way, I want to save you. God, that doesn't make sense. You just told me how bad I am. He said, you are. That's why I don't think you can lose it. You were so bad to start with. Why would he want to lose you after he got started with you? He knew you were bad from the beginning. He knew what you'd do three months after you got saved. And you know what's amazing? When you believe in him, I think of many believers who come down with Alzheimer's and dementia. I just heard Dr. Hannah say, when he's at the side of his mother-in-law who had Alzheimer's, and her mind was going, she couldn't even remember if she'd ever put faith in Jesus. And many times when people go into dementia, Alzheimer's, they'll pick up, They revert to the bad language they had before they were saved. But you know what? This justification happens in a moment, and it's not undone by Alzheimer's. It's not undone by memory loss. It's not undone by anything. God keeps whom he chooses. This is a sovereign God. I wish you knew him. If you knew him, you can get happy about him once in a while. He said, I'm praying to you. And then he said, 
didn't you drive out the inhabitants of this land? And, and didn't you promise us this land? You told Joshua, you told Abraham in, in Genesis 15, I give you this land. And then Joshua came along, and we went in and fought for it. We're right where you want us. Now, now do you want us here or not? Is this the land? Yeah. And then he goes on. We've lived in it. We built you a sanctuary. And when we dedicated the temple, Second Chronicles, uh, uh, he's quoting now Second Chronicles 6.34, should evil come upon us, the sword, or judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry to you in our distress, and you will hear and deliver us. That's what we prayed when we dedicated this temple. Now I'm claiming you're almighty, you're all-powerful, I'm claiming I'm inheriting what you promised to Abraham, a land, a nation, and a, a king. We're, we're in your, the property. We fought with your help. And we had our temple dedicated that if we'd come here, you'd hear us if we cried for help. Now we're, that's all we're doing, Lord. Then he prays this, verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Amen. What to do when you don't know what to do. Come on. You know, Elijah's servant, he went out and, and he, he just jumped back, went back in the tent. He said, was surrounded by an army because Elisha kept telling the king where the enemy armies were. And they said, we got to knock him out. This is a radar station because the prophet would get a word. He'd send a messenger. The army's over here. So they surround him in the night. We're going to kill him. Servant goes out, sees the place surrounded with all these troops. And Elisha comes out to help the poor servant. And he gets out of here and says, come here, son. Yeah. So let me pray for you. You've been looking too low. I want you to. Ooh, I didn't know they were there. Oh, yeah, they're there. They're there. Yeah, they've been there all this time. You see, your outlook will determine your outcome. Where you choose to look, some of you can only see problems. You never can see the Savior. I got people telling me about how many waves we've got all the time. If you look to Jesus, you can walk on water, honey. But there's some folks in the church, they think they've got the gift of telling us everything wrong with this church. Well, honey, one thing wrong with it is you. You're not walking by faith. You're not looking at what God can do, even in West County. Look up. But what we do, Peter was doing good. And then he said, I got to lower my vision. Ooh, have you measured those waves? I believe the Sea of Galilee is over 150 feet deep. I could drown here. Yeah, you could have drowned five minutes ago, but you were looking at the source that can make you walk on water. Where you look will determine where you'll wind up. And so he said, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to look to you. Now, some of you are in the midst of situations right now. You don't know what to do. I've been there thousands of times. I don't know what to do. I don't have the power. I don't have the wisdom. 
I don't know the future. I don't know the contingencies. I'm at your mercies. Um, Let me read some things to you that Alexander McLaren, a preacher from the 1800s, Rich Rollins used to always kid me. He said, have you ever read anything that's contemporary? Well, I'm tired of fluff. I like to read others. McLaren said, we see here the confidence of despair. Don't you love that? In despair, I'm confident. About who? Me? God. Then he said, helplessness is always a fact. Helplessness. Though most of us manage to get along for the most part without ever discovering it. You've never discovered you really are helpless. It won't get done based on your strength. If you don't believe it, try to save a teenager. Try to change their choices. Try try to change this one little life that you fathered and mothered, and they turn out to be a rebel, and you say, Lord, I can't change them. Only you can. Have any of you ever been there? What do you do when enemies rise up against you, and you say, I can't handle my enemies? And you won't let me pack a gun. Distrust of self and glad confidence in God are not opposites. They complement one another. The man who is confident of God but despairs of himself. Look at verse 20. Here's the key verse in this narrative. Not only will I look to God, but he says, Put your trust in the Lord and your God will establish you. If you will trust, can you trust? Not can you do it. Not are you powerful enough. Can you trust the one that can do it? Will you trust? It's not can you, will you? Do you have a God big enough to handle your enemies? Trust him. Trust him. That's what he's saying. So he prays. Well, when you pray, God gives an answer. The reason some of you haven't got any answers, you haven't sent up any requests. He's heard you murmur, but that's not praying. Complaining is an intercessory prayer. (laughs) But when you pray in earnest and in faith, God answers. And what does he do? He sends his word. I want to send you a divine word by the prophet. And my word is going to tell you, don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid of the enemy, but trust me. And then he assures them that God has already got a battle plan of how he's going to handle the enemy. All you got to do is obey instructions, stand still, and watch God do it. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Thank you for joining us today. We trust and pray our time together has encouraged you in your walk and your relationship with Jesus Christ. As we conclude our time together today, we would remind you that copies of today's program are yours simply for the asking. Contact us either by phone, mail, or email. You can stop by our website, valleybible.org, place an email order, Or give us a call at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Simply mention today's date when you contact us. 
You can also write, our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. You're also welcome to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. If you don't belong to a church at this point in time, consider this a formal invitation to join us for worship. We meet at 9 and 11, and all of our directions and information can be found again on our website, valleybible.org, or simply call 855-833-9864. As we near the end of the year, I know that there are many of you who are considering year-end gifts. Would you consider Truth For Today on that list? It is through your prayers and your financial involvement with this ministry that allows us to continue the ministry on a weekly basis here on KFAX. And again, all of your gifts are tax-deductible, and we would love for you to again consider a year-end gift as we come to the close of 2014. And we would also ask that you consider monthly giving as well. This is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to come to you on a weekly basis as you, our faithful listeners, continue to support the ministry. So consider that as you contact us, again, at 855-833-9864. You can also give securely online at our website, valleybible.org, or simply write, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, and the zip code is 94547. We thank you for joining us today, and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time as we bring you another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Until then, may God bless you as you seek His truth for today. Today.